fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, It fly and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep threes, got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? Doing great. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And as always, we are also joined by Jared Good. Jared, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, You know, I was a little nervous for this podcast because we had a little bit of a gap in, in our last one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, but we got some talking points tonight. So, uh, as always, my Friday night fun night. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And we are here to talk everything and anything Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. And we will start with looking at some of the games that went down uh, this week. Uh, of course, we'll start with the, the Sacramento Kings. We're a little bit on a West Coast, uh, so we, of course, we had to stay up to watch the game. So we had two games against the Sacramento Kings. We'll start with the loss. Timberwolves lose 125-128 to to the Sacramento Kings after leading in the fourth quarter. And, Jared, I know I saw your thoughts on this on Facebook. So you you think that the Wolves kind of intentionally lost that game? Is that true? Yeah, so I was watching a bit of this game, and then I had to run to work before I saw the final, but I was listening to it, and I was listening to Alan Horton, and he kind of brought up something, and I don't remember what the exact score was, but I think the Wolves were up by three at the time, and I think there was like 30 to 38 seconds left in the game, and, and Horton kind of mentioned right away, he's like, oh, yeah, Deal took a shot with six six seconds into the shot clock. Like, like they couldn't have been trying to go two for one there because they had a, a lead at the time. And it almost kind of seemed to me like it was like it was a, a kind of a tanking move um, just because of how quick he shot it. And Alan Horton is is a phenomenal broadcaster. If you yeah, know, he's great. He's great. He's unbelievable. So, so usually when he says something, I, I kind of try to put myself in the game situation. But the way he kind of played it out at the time, I was like, yeah, you know, like maybe there is a little bit of head scratch in there. Like why are we shooting so quick if we're trying to win games? So, I mean, I don't necessarily embrace that we need to tank. I know Chris has, Chris has talked about this before. Like we might just be bad enough to where um, we don't need to. And I know that you have – um, personally said you just like to see some better chemistry uh, later in games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both games against the Kings were super uh, good for both of those reasons. Like we won one, we lost one, but we looked good in both of them. I mean, I don't really have much to see um, outside of that. Like, I mean, we're, I don't even know what our record is right now, but I think we got 15 or 16 wins now. 16. And, uh, yeah. I mean, so the wins and losses don't really matter a whole ton, but like, as long as you see us in a competitive game and you see the core three that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but the core three look good together. I mean, as a Timberwolves fan, that's all you can ask for right now. And uh, of course I, I got to go to Chris so he can talk about his favorite player in the whole wide world. Uh, Nas Reed had quite a game on Wednesday night. Uh, Chris, what'd you see on a Nas in this one? Well, let me get back to Adilo real quick. Yeah, first. go ahead. Um, the thing about Adilo chucking up a shot, with six seconds in the shot clock, up three with 30-some-odd, 40 seconds left or whatever, um, that's D'Lo. Like, yeah. he's ice in the veins, wants to be the killer. He wants to hit that shot and backpedal with his three fingers down, uh, <laughs> tapping on his tapping on his forearm, letting you know he just sealed the game. You know, he's that killer, um, and you live and you die with that, you know. So – when I saw that, the first thing I thought was, okay, well, now we just, you know, we're up three still. We've got we've got one possession left. They've got one. Um, we still should have a chance to win it. But if he hits that three, I mean, you might as well, you know, turn the lights off and go home. So I think 
I think that was him just trying to be that game ender. And um, I wish I remembered the exact situation because it was similar like, to what you said. Okay, so because like if you're gonna if it's a situation that comes up, I mean, then I really don't think it's that much tanking because as a coach, you're gonna try and go two for one if there's thirty or under left in there. You know, if they come back and hit a three, they can come back and hit a three. But like, you're gonna go two for one with the time that's remaining on the clock. I mean, it might have just been that kind of situation. I wish I was, it watching, was but it wasn't mm. that. It was definitely like you're saying. It was it was a head scratcher. It was one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, so we're chucking that up. <laughs> uh, here we go. It was 30 seconds left. D'Angelo. It was a 30 seconds left. He missed one. Exactly 30. Um, and so, yeah, I think we were up a little bit. So, um, but that's him, you know, and, yep. and that's what he's going to be. But Nas, let's get back to what we need to talk about. Let's <laughs> <laughs> read um, who, I mean, he's kind of a mix between Wilt Chamberlain. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's got so much talent. Um I mean, I don't think there's anything that we can't run through Nas Reed that we don't run through Cat. Um, and that sounds ludicrous, but like when the second unit's in there, I don't think we should change our offense that much. Um, I mean, obviously, instead of like the pick and pop, Nas might put it on the floor and get to the hole more, which he does at an amazing ability. Like he can take bigs, and he's been doing it with small for or with power forwards off the dribble. And I know I said this months ago, but he is elite at finishing around the rim. And, and at the time it was with floaters and little, you know, like they said that he was a part of the Jelly Fam crew from New York, them little uh, Jelly Fam uh, finger roll layups. Um, I mean, he can finish great, but now he's just putting people in posters. Like this dude is the real deal. Um, and we have him for a couple more years for pennies and it's, I don't think what I've noticed about these games and I'll kind of group them both together, um, both the Sacramento games, because they kind of mix together in my brain anyways. And they were pretty much the same game. Like we give up 40 in the first and it's just a shootout, just an old West wild West shootout. And we didn't, we didn't have enough bullets the second game. We had enough the first game, but um, we've been playing a lot of Nas and Cat together. And we've been closing with like in the last five minutes or like in the last eight minutes of the game, you'll have Nas and Cat out there. Um, we've been playing a lot of like with our second unit, we've been playing Nas, Vanderbilt, uh, um, uh, Gomez. Wow, well, I can't think of his first name. Wancho. Yeah, Wancho. Like we've been playing the opposite. So I always thought it was Rosas and maybe it was, that was like, hey, we wanna go super small. You know, small ball. That's what we're doing. Everything's small ball. A Kogi at the four. And ever since Finch came in, we almost immediately started playing more Nas and Cat together. And now it's getting to be, I mean, you'll see Nas, Cat, Jaden McDaniels, like Jaden McDaniels at the four, which I said I liked earlier. I like him defending that um on the on the wings better. Um, so I don't know if it was Ryan Saunders who was pushing the small ball, or maybe um when Finch was hired, which I said was great, is now you've got a head coach that might be able to check Rosas, be like, no, this is what we do because he trusts him. So maybe this, maybe we're going big. Like we're, we've been having big lineups, like mm -hmm. extra big lineups. So yeah, Nas is, Nas very well might be our starting power forward next year at game one. Like I don't think that would be too out of the question. I wouldn't mind it unless – Unless we get a guy like Evan Mobley, but I mean it's possible. Yeah, so so admittedly, I, I watched most of the Clippers game this week. Uh, that was the game I saw the most of. And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the worst game to watch all week. But um, so I watched a ton of the Clippers game, and like there was a point in my mind, like right before I got ready to leave for work, I'm like. Man, I'm like Chris is gonna have so much to talk about about Nas Reed. Like he, uh, Chris always talks about like how good he is at the rim, and he talks about how good his scoop shots are, and, and just just in general how good he is. 
And that was probably his worst game of the week. And I noticed it. So like, if you have not got to watch, you know, 10 minutes of Nas off the bench, like dude is an absolute stud. And, and he was like diving towards the rim and he was being found. I think, I think D'Lo found him a couple of times in that game and where he just came up and just smashed out on the rim. And like, this dude is, this dude is really good. And he's got range too. Like, it's not like he has to sit down on the block. Like Nas can shoot threes too. Like, I mean, I don't know what his exact percentages, but like, I mean, he could extend a little bit. Nas is really, really good, man. And, and it's probably your best take of the year. Not to say you don't have other good ones, but like (laughs) Nas is really good, man. He, um, his shots up and down and percentage wise, but I mean, he's going to be a, he's going to be a mid thirties, three point shooter easily. What I love about his shot is the arc. I mean, he's got that D- him and D'Lo should have a competition on who gets the highest arc on their shots. I mean, they just moonball them bad boys. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that I was known particularly on Wednesday night about Nas Reed, he's like, in. I mean, obviously he can shoot the three, but down in the post, he, he is nothing to scoff at. Like no. that, that one, he did the dream shake. I, I know, I know the uh the TV analysis or analysts picked it up. Jim Pete picked it up immediately. He did the dream shake. He had a spin on a guy. Like, I feel confident every time the ball in the low post goes to Nas Reed, I think we're gonna get a bucket. Like I, yeah. I honestly do. And like you were saying on the contract, I looked up his contract. I mean He's getting paid 1.7 next year, then 1.9 on a team option after that. Then he's a restricted free agent. I mean, exactly. what a steal. What a steal. This undrafted guy from LSU. like Unbelievable. When he signed that contract, I was like, oh, my God. Like, why would you – like, who's who's your advisor? Like, why <laughs> would you sign a four-year contract that tops out at 1.7, dude? Like, jeez. But, hey – and, I mean, and, he he was a nice bright spot. So was um. I thought Wancho's been playing good. One thing yeah. that Wancho's been doing is, and this goes back to what Finch is doing different is Wancho's been playing the three, and I he's he can defend okay at the three. Um, he's not getting buried in the post because I mean he tries hard. He's just not strong enough. So like he'll work hard as a you know defending a power forward or bigger, but he just kind of gets beat up down there because he's just not physical enough, but that doesn't happen versus threes. And uh, talking about Nas flashing and catching some balls, dude, Wancho will cut. I mean, if you're looking the wrong way, Wancho cut on you. You're like he's backdooring you. Like he's playing hard. Um, I'll take what he's giving us right now, especially at five mil a year or whatever we're paying him. And, mm-hmm. and like one thing you were talking about, like, like contract wise, like, like if you're an entering in as an undrafted you know, rookie free agent. Like, I feel like if you're an agent, you want to get that prove it contract, you know, like, you know, like if I come in and two I, years. Yeah. But like to have a longevity, like put yourself in the player situation. Like what if it doesn't work out? I mean, maybe you just want four years of steady paychecks, you know? Right. I mean, but like, like you said, like, like that contract, it's, it's unbelievable because like, Say he gets a prove-it contract, he's probably making ten to twelve million dollars next season. Yep, but he'll be making. So I mean, it's the only thing that's going to save the Timberwolves is the fact that he and Jaden McDaniel's are so cheap right now. Um, I don't know what we're going to do when those guys come up for contract. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting time, salary cap wise, for us because they're each going to be making ten. You know. And or ten plus, and that's a big jump from one point seven to ten. You know that message you're like, like, like the situation. Is, the situation is so perfect because, like, we were talking earlier. Like, there's at times we liked Vanderbilt. There was times we liked McDaniel's. There's times we like Reed. They're essentially all making, I think, the same money. And you're probably gonna let at least one walk, if not two. So, I mean, pick your poison with what you got. I mean, you got three options that are that are all viable. I, th- I definitely think Vanderbilt probably doesn't resign here. Although I like a lot of his game, I think he belongs more on a contending team. We might be a contending team next season. I mean, I think we believe that, but I think he he can absolutely get you know anywhere from six to ten million off the bench playing twenty minutes a game. Like that's just the role that Vanderbilt's going to have, and I don't know if it's here. 
But what's mm -hmm. great is he's restricted. So what we're going to do is say, go get a good deal, man. You're a great player. You're a great guy. I hope someone pays you. And then when they don't, um, we'll take you for four million a year for three more years. You know what I mean? Like right. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about how hard it is to go with three max players or even two max players is hard with salary cap, but you need those cheap guys. I think Jaden McDaniels, um, Nas Reed, Vanderbilt, and J Mac, and maybe even Noel, all five of those guys, I think total are making like seven mil right now if you add them all up. I mean, mm -hmm. that's unbelievable. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And they're kind of, that, it feels like the roster's very unfinished, as Rosas has been saying. It's kind of like D'Lo and Cat, and then maybe Beasley, and then maybe Rubio, and then everyone else is just on these small contracts that are kind of necessary for a max deal. So something that I I noticed um, about last night's game, or sorry, Wednesday night's game in particular, was maybe D'Lo, I mean, he finished with 15 points, but he's a much better passer than people give him credit for. Like he, people, people say he's just a scorer and that's all he does. He's not worth anything if he can't score. First of all, he had a couple steals, which was a big thing. And especially on this team that doesn't play defense. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I saw him out distributing. He had some nice plays with nods. He had some, he was hitting cutters. He had a nice give and go with Wancho ended with nine assists. And I don't know. I, I think D'Lo is much, is a much better passer than people give him credit for. And I also wanted to bring up this uh, D'Lo has been coming off the bench recently. And obviously you don't want, I mean, it's not ideal for your max player to be coming off the bench, but it seems to have worked pretty well. He seems to be playing well with the second or the second squad. So I'll open it up to you and we'll start with you, Chris. What do you think of D'Lo coming off the bench? And do you think this is a long-term play or just until next year when Beasley comes back? What do you think? Could you see D'Lo coming off the bench next year, particularly if we get like if we keep our draft pick and draft a guard? Um, I don't think, I mean, no, I, I don't think so. Just basically because it, let's play that out. Let's say we do draft a guard. You're not starting a rookie over D'Lo, you know? Um, I mean, I mean, the reason why D'Lo's coming off the bench right now is because, you know, we don't have Beasley. We don't have, you know, Noel, like we have no punch in our second unit right now. And there's just such an octane drop you know, from, from Rubio offensively to D'Lo, uh, you know, Rubio fits great with those, with those guys, you know, with Cat and with, you know, now McDaniels is out there and guys like that. But when, uh, when, when he's, when Cat's off the court, we need, we need a punch, you know? Um, so, I mean, he's still playing 30 some minutes a game or once he gets up. So, I mean, the whole starter, not starter thing is, I mean, if it's not an ego thing, um, it's nothing, you know, like that's all it really is, is an ego thing. And if that's not your problem, um, it's not going to be an issue. I don't think, but I don't think that, I, I don't think he'll be like that way next year. Um, but talking about his passing, that's what, that's what Finch said in his very, like his very first press conference. He said, I want to see D'Lo being back, being the distributor. We talked about it on here. We said, you know, he loved him at Ohio State as a distributor. And if you remember, he was that guy putting those like spinning bounce passes that would like curve around people. Like mm -hmm. he he loves to pass and he's good at it. Um, yeah, he's just a good player. He just he's just he's a unique player that plays his style of basketball, um, kind of like Carl Anthony Towns. Um, it might not fit in every on every team, but if you can make it fit you know, and, and, and build around those skill sets, it can be something real special. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jared, what do you think? Anything to add on that? Do you think that D'Lo, do you like him coming off the bench or do you think that's going to change? What do you think? I think a lot of it had to originally do with his uh, minutes restriction. Um, and uh, his, he didn't like have a set minutes restriction for very long. Um, I, I know they kind of targeted like, 25 to 28 minutes for a long time. But um, I think a lot of that has to more has more to do with do we want to win games or not late in games? Um, and 
I know I talked about this in the Boston Celtics game last week where we were down 11 and D'Lo checked in with three and a half minutes. And it almost seemed like, a, okay, we're down by enough. We can let him play. And then he forces overtime and we raise an 11 point lead in three minutes. Like that's how good D'Lo is. I, I He's one of my favorite players in the league. And there's not everybody that thinks this way. There's people that are hard on D'Lo and, and, and I get it. I mean, he's a max player, but um, there's not a single player in the entire NBA that is a max player that comes off the bench. As far as I'm concerned, um, I, I've tried to think and and I follow the league pretty, pretty, uh, pretty closely league wide, and I can't think of one. So um, it's not going to be a thing moving forward. Um, the biggest thing is is you know people have kind of spoken out openly, and I know Anthony Edwards is one of them that they love the re- the leadership that that Ricky Rubio brings and. We're not 100% sure that Ricky Rubio is even going to be on this roster next year. Um, that's something that is completely up to Rosas and completely up to whether or not a trade is viable towards us um, come draft day. But um, Dilo's going to start next year. Um, and one thing I absolutely love about Dilo, because I could talk about him all day, but he's a confidence player and confidence players in basketball are a really big thing. And not that many people talk about it because I don't know if it's not that many people talk about it because they don't notice it as much, but like if Curry is on the golden state warriors are not going to lose. Curry is a confidence basketball player. He sees two or three going, he's making eight threes. Like that's just how he plays deals much the same way. Like if he's playing well and he has the confidence he is, I would argue, one of the top at least 10, maybe and, yeah. top 10 point guards in the league, you know? Um, oh, yeah. A- I was saying players in the league when they just get hot. Like, yeah. He's a guy that he'll drop 50 on you. Yeah. And, and that, that's what you love to see out of Dilo. Like, love him or hate him. And I feel, I feel like a lot more people are coming back around to loving him because he's been playing so good recently. But he's a volume shooter. And when the ball goes in, like what what game? I don't know what game it was. I think it was the first Kings game. He had like twenty eight points in twenty five minutes, and he was ten for thirteen. Like nobody's ever going to complain about that off the bench. Mm-hmm. But it was all the first half. Yeah, I mean, it, you get a volume shooter gets the ball going. I mean, he's going to drop a ton of points. And the cool thing about that is then the whole team gets that confidence. Like it's not even just his confidence. Like when you've got a player that you know can dropped 26 on like 13 shots in the first half. Like when you know you got that guy on your team, that just that just makes you walk with a little more swagger, you know. When you see when when our when you see him come with that pull up, you know, walk down the court, hit that three pull up, um okay, like we're in this, you know. It brings confidence to the whole team. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to go kind of in this direction, talking about the quote unquote future of the Minnesota Timberwolves, at least for now, Anthony Edwards, um, he has been on a tear lately, and this is kind of the direction I want to go with it. Uh, So LaMelo Ball, and this, this is honestly good news because it seems like LaMelo Ball is going to be coming back, or is he already back? I can't. I can't remember. I don't think so. Seven to ten days when we put it in the outline. So if he was back, you would hear about it all over. That's the true. News. That's all true. Over the four-letter network, as they say on cable. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. So, um, so we're, we're talking rookie of the year right now. With, do you think that Anthony Edwards is rookie of the year? Even if Lamelo Ball comes back and does Lamelo Ball things, would you still give? Do you think they'll still give the trophy to Anthony Edwards, even though he had kind of a rough start to his NBA career? Let's be honest; he wasn't really part of the offense, and he, he really only caught stride somewhat recently. Although it's uh, so, what do, what do you guys think? We'll start with you, Jared. Do you think that uh, Anthony Edwards will be named Rookie of the Year, even if Lamelo comes back? Well, um, my initial answer is I think Anthony Edwards is going to win it. Um, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the what have you done for me lately bias, um, which is a real thing. And, and Anthony Edwards has been playing and LaMelo Ball hasn't. But another thing that like, like when we talk like MVP, like 
like there's people that want to put Stephen Curry in the MVP category who's had a pretty pretty great year, but like if you don't win games, you don't really get in that category. I don't know if rookie of the year is treated the same way, but uh, Charlotte Hornets are probably going to be in the playoffs. Last time I looked, they were, I think, like the sixth seed. Um, mm-hmm. That might have changed recently, but LaMelo's a, a great player, and so is Anthony Edwards. I I wouldn't I wouldn't fault anyone for putting uh, Edwards ahead of LaMelo or LaMelo ahead of Edwards. I think they're 1A and 1B in a sort of way. Um and then that's just not me being a homer because um, I'm one of the biggest homers ever. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I just think LaMelo is, is that good. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal basketball player. Um, and he came off the bench to start um, most of the season for the Hornets. Um, now he starts um, when he's healthy. Um, they've, they've moved Vontae Graham to the bench. And do I think, he's, do I think Anthony Edwards is going to win? I think he probably does, but I think there's also a uh, media bias. So I think it's kind of 1A, 1B personally. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Chris? Um, I mean, it's kind of a kind of a loaded question. Do I think he's going to win it? No, there's no chance uh, Anthony Edwards is going to win it. I, I think if LaMelo Ball didn't play the rest of the year, I think there's still a chance that Anthony Edwards doesn't win it. And that's because he's in Minnesota and LaMelo Ball is the media darling. And, and that's fine. That's how the media works, you know. And I don't, I don't think there's a better thing that could happen than Anthony Edwards not win it. I mean, the only thing better would be if Anthony Edwards gets third to Halliburton. That would even be better for the Timberwolves because Anthony Edwards is a killer, and he needs that motivation. I don't know if he needs that chip on his shoulder. He doesn't seem like he does, but I'll put it there just to make, it, make him a little more nasty. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, but the real question is, do I think he deserves it? And I, I think Edwards is a better player. I mean, Edwards is a – the dude's a beast. And we talk about, like, when he started starting the game. Like, he's a rookie. He's 19, same as Ball. You know, they didn't start right off the bat because they shouldn't. They should get a hang of the NBA first. Smart thing both coaches did. Um, but I was just looking the other day. Since the All-Star break, like, since the All-Star break, you know, Stephen Curry's, you know, Steph Curry's been unbelievable. You know, he's, like you said, put himself in the MVP race. Um, on pull-up three-pointers, you know, with a minimum of 94 three-pointers attempted, pull-ups, St- uh, Steph Curry's shooting 45%, 45.7% leading the NBA. Number two in the NBA is Anthony Edwards at Gee. 39.4%. In the NBA, not rookies. Not not Western Conference, not two guards. In the whole NBA, he's number two in pull-up three-point shooting. Well, but I thought he couldn't shoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, Chris, like this Chris, why, why, why don't you give us his isolation numbers? I want to re- I want to retract Dude, on one. I would love to tell you his isolation. I don't have it on top of my head, but I know he's a monster. I know he's <laughs> probably still I know he's probably still top 10 percentile in the league. Um, he was 99 still, at one point. <laughs> he's still shooting 40% of his shots at the rim. Like right now, or since the All-Star break, he's shooting 40% of his shots at the rim. That's unheard of. I remember when people were saying he needs to get to the rim more, and I did some research on this, and he was shooting like 38%. I remember this was before the when he was with Ryan Saunders. He was shooting like 38% at the rim. And I ended up looking up all the best small forwards because I kind of put his body at that size. And I think it was Tatum, uh, LeBron James. Um, who else did I do? I did uh, Middleton. Um, I pretty much went – I did the All-Stars. I, I looked at the All-Star list of small forwards, and I and I tracked what their shots at the rim were. And, lo- and uh, this is when people were saying Edwards had to take it to the rim more. And Edwards was shooting a higher percentage than all of them. Or like he was – higher percentage of his shots were taken at the rim than all of them except for LeBron James. Like he's, he's the perfect like shot selection. Now that he's shooting, you know, two in the NBA in, you know, pull up threes, like he's going to be, he's going to be a problem for a long time. And this award is silly. Like, I don't think he cares. I think he's honest when he says whoever vote, when he's been asked in every interview, and his answer is like, "I don't know who votes for it, I don't, but if they think I'm it, I'm it. If they don't, whatever." 
Like, I think he's honest with that. I think he honestly doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I don't know if if it's a big deal for, like, me personally anyway. I mean, I know how good Edwards is. And, yeah. like, just just been watching him. It's, it's honestly a privilege to be able to watch him on, on a given night because you have no idea what he's going to do. You have no idea if he's feeling like attacking the rim tonight. You don't know if he's feeling like shooting three-pointers tonight. And here's another prospect, and this also contingents on the draft pick that we get. But just numbers-wise, next year when Beasley comes – or, yeah, Beasley comes back, we could potentially have four players who average around 20 a game. Like – You can't. But the players can do it. But it's almost impossible to do that on a team. I looked that up. I looked at that before again too. And remember when there was uh, when Golden State was in their prime, mm -hmm. and they had you know they had Durant, Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Um, three of those guys went for twenty. But Draymond Green, Draymond didn't. <laughs> well, but he was like before that almost. He went for like twelve just because. There's just not enough points. Like you can't have your starters get 80 points. It's just not possible. But mm -hmm. like you're saying, they've got the ability to. So like right. any night, a guy could drop 35 and it could be any one of those. Mm -hmm. um, we have so much firepower, so much firepower, which is why a guy like Vanderbilt makes sense on this team maybe. I don't know. Like, And he's mm -hmm. been playing good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so let's move this way. Um, so obviously against the Kings in particular, I mean, I don't think there's much to talk about with the Clippers game because we kind of just got blown out. And let's be honest, the Clippers are a better team than us right now. Uh, yeah. But I got one play that I want to yeah, talk go ahead, about. Go ahead. <laughs> so I was watching the Clippers game. It was like 67 to 92 and it was complete blowout. And that's probably one of the, 20 people in the state watching the game at this point. <laughs> um, but so we talked about play art. Uh, I think it was last podcast and it was D'Lo, um, D'Lo, Cat and Edwards. So we were getting blown out and they were all still on the court at this time. And I was glad I got to see it because I've talked about this multiple times. And I know Chris has as well when he talks about cutting. Um, so this time was much like the last play I talked about in the Celtics game. Um, so D'Lo throws it into Cat. Cat gets double teamed. Rubio cuts through to clear the defense. Edwards dives, and it's an easy dunk again. I'm like, this is the second time I've seen Edwards get a phenomenal easy dunk on a three-man player. And I just wanted to mention that before we move on because he had the I'm same you, sort of play. I'm he had telling the same you, sort of play. I'm just telling you guys, like, like it's so it's so hard to sit here and talk about a 16-win team and sell, tell you how good we're going to be next year and that we're going to be the five seed in the West. But I'm going to do it every single week uh, next year <laughs> because that's what we're going to do. Like, this team is that good. They just need the season to restart, and, and we can go on from there. Speak right. it into existence, baby. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun offseason. It's going to be a fun offseason of anticipation, definitely. Particularly, I mean – <laughs> particularly with the draft lottery. I mean, if we can we can get it like a Cunningham or a Suggs, which I know there's a lot of people who have different opinions on Suggs, but if we can get a, a Mobley in here or something, particularly Mobley, I think a lot of people on this particular podcast seem to like, uh, particularly you, Chris. But <laughs> Even just that asset. Just give me a top three pick asset. Right. I mean, I'd rather have that than a, than a, a, a after lotto pick next year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, the one, the elephant in the room, I feel like for the Timberwolves, and I feel like we got to bring this up, is particularly in the Kings game, the defense was not there. I mean, the, like the, the first the first Kings game, the reason we were in that game was because D'Lo got hot. And so he kind of kept pace with the Kings in the first in the first uh, half. But then in the fourth quarter, the Wolves started playing some defense. Um, and kind of shut down the Kings. And I know Fox didn't have a great game. They did a good job uh, guarding Fox. And so, so how do you guys think this defense improves? Or does it need to? Are we just going to be an offensive team just trying to outscore teams, all of the like 
a mid two thousands Dallas Mavericks. What what do you think? What do you think? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I don't think defense is something that can be thrown together mid season. Um, I think personnel wise, the Timberwolves are tough because we've got so many elite players, but they're elite one sided, you know. And of course, being elite two way players would be great to have a bunch of, but those are hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you have, you know, Edwards, D'Lo, Cat, and then two elite strictly defensive guys, if that's even enough, because. I mean, I was looking at defensive rating, which is a hard thing to do because it's how your team goes. You go individually on that. But we've got like three of the bottom, you know, like guys, our starters. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I know that I know that no team is very good unless they're like top. I, they were, I forget what it was. They were talking about teams that were like top five in offense that were also bad in defense. And I think they could only find like one example that made like a deep playoff run in, in the last five years. Like you almost have to be, you know, 50, like mid, like midway or above in defense to, to really make, make trouble. But, you know, a lot of that's tied to offense too. You know, you get good shots and your shot goes in, you don't have a long rebound. The other team doesn't, you know, doesn't come out in transition. They've got to take it out from under, from the hoop. It's, whole different game. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be an easy fix. Um, I mean, unless, unless, <laughs> you know, a team like, let's say the 76ers get blown out in the first round and they're like, Hey, we want to blow up this team. And we offer our, you know, number one, two or three pick, whatever we get and uh, Rubio and maybe another first and maybe Beasley and we get Ben Simmons. Like maybe we add a defensive player of the year type guy. Maybe that could switch it up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it's going to be an easy fix. And I think we're going to have probably a couple years of uh, really dominant offense and really bad defense. Mm-hmm. While, while we're at it, I just want to address the elephant in the room. All three of us believe that Ben Simmons would play the power forward on this on this team. As much as you want to call it that, I think I think in the I think in the, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yes, I mean he, he wouldn't be the, the point guard. I mean, he wouldn't be the point guard. I think no. I think what he would do is he would grab a rebound and he would lead the break, and he might pass it, he might shoot it. I think there'd be times when he would be a secondary ball handler, but I don't, I, you know, I don't see him. I and mean, they're so positionless, but yes, I think he would. I think he would defend power forwards. I put the it only down. the only reason why I bring it up is because, like, when I because this is almost the exact trade scenario that that I kind of mentioned was was going for Simmons with Rubio in our pick and and maybe something else in the future. But um, I think a lot of people hate on the Simmons talk because they think he's going to play point guard, and and I just wanted to make that clear that. He's not going to play in point guard if we land him. He's going to play the three or the four. Right. But, I mean, for the last, what, three or four or five games that D'Lo's been back, you don't see him very often out there without Rubio or J-Mac. I mean, he's playing with a point guard almost every time, but that's also because we don't have a two guard. Noel's out and Beasley's out. So, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. I mean – I don't think it would be terrible to have two guys, but then you want Edwards handling the ball too. So, um, yeah, I don't think he would be a dominant ball handler, but I think he would handle it. So the only reason why why I really necessarily bring it up is because if you guys watched in the bubble last season, they experimented with uh, Simmons at the four uh, during the bubble phase. And I actually think he did pretty well at it. So he's a stud. I mean, yeah. he's a six ten freak. That can shoot threes, but we don't need a three point shooter, so he fits perfectly. <laughs> <Right>. And <laughs> and the other thing I'll mention about Simmons, and I mentioned this a couple times about, it, I feel like I've said this word a lot. He is on the same timeline as Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Like, exactly. like, yeah. I mean, he's on the same timeline. They they're going to hit their prime at probably the same time. They're going to. They're going to probably fizzle out at around the same time. So 
I mean, we could have some years of fun, fun basketball. You got some, Chris? I wonder what uh, when D'Angelo Russell and Simmons were on the same high school basketball team. I wonder how they ran it there. I bet you. I wonder if Simmons was kind of like the the big, probably because he's six ten in high school. I wonder how they did that. Yeah, we got we got to go back and find the tape. I'm sure it's <laughs> right. on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it is. I'm sure they won the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So wait, they played in the same high school team? Yeah, I think it was uh, what uh, Oak Hill or whatever. I think. Oh, it was. it was one of those super teams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, Jared, what, what you got? Well, while we're on the, uh, I know we always like to do our little bit of, of Minnesota homegrown type of bit. Um, so while we're on the Minnesota high school talk, um, I know a couple weeks ago, uh, Minnehaha played against Satino Grace, and there was like seven top 50 recruits in that game. Um, some of them out in different draft classes. What we had, uh, I think Tino had a kid that was like a sophomore that was a top five recruit. And dude, there's a lot of talent in Minnesota. Not that it necessarily matters, but like some of these high schools in Minnesota's are, are building some super teams and congrats to Chet Holmgren committing to Gonzaga. Uh, I wish him the best of luck. Uh, I knew he wasn't coming to Minnesota, but I had a pipe dream for it, and I just wanted to wish him good luck. <laughs> like, like the Minnesota thing, though, is the pipiest of pipe dreams. First of all, <laughs> I mean, the Gophers just lost their coach, first of all. The the players that are actually on the University of Minnesota are leaving, anyway, yeah, they're all and they're getting, like, D2 guys. <laughs> like, I saw some guy from, like, Northern State just transferred over. So, I mean, like, for all those people who are like, yeah, we're going to get Chet. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> like, it just it just doesn't happen. And I know, Chris, you posted something in the uh, in the Facebook um, group about yeah, how. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sick of. So, I hate, when ba- I hate when people that are supposedly basketball fans are, are so, like, they, 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 they focus on one thing to, like, attack their hometown in. And they're not they're not um, well versed enough to like look outside of their hate. Like they're they're always mad at the Gophers for not bringing in Trey Jones or or Suggs or whatever. Why don't we ever get, dude? If you're a top five recruit, top ten recruit, you're going nationally to a powerhouse school. It's just what you do. But like you said, I, I looked it up, and out of the top 13, 14 recruits in Chet Holmgren's class, I think. 10 of them have committed to somewhere. Not one of them is going to a college in their home state. Not one of the top 10. And out of the top 35, I think there was three or four that are going to a school in their top, in their state. And that was like Florida, a guy going to Florida State and like, you know, a guy from Kentucky is going to Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, I mean, it's just people need to relax on that whole why don't we get the top 10? Rec- well, because we're not a top 10 recruit school, man. What we need to do is mm-hmm. get the guys that are four stars that are going to stay here for three years. You get a bunch of those and pile those up. That's how we got to do it. We're not going to get the superstars, you know, like mm-hmm. settle down. You know, right. neither is Nebraska. Neither is, <laughs> you know, neither is, you know, half 90% of the schools in the, in the NCAA aren't getting a top 10 talent no matter where they're from. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, uh, Jerry, you had some? Yeah. So, like, you know, people don't understand. These guys are essentially making their audition for the NBA. Um, And and that's as real as it. Let me ask you this. When's the last time a Minnesota golfer went to the NBA that wasn't coming off the bench? Because I can't remember one. You can tell me Amir Coffey's in the NBA. You can tell me that Oturu is in the NBA. Neither Neither one of them are seeing minutes. Chris Humphrey, maybe? Yeah, Didn't uh, no, a long time ago, you know, like these well, guys was, on their yeah. audition phase for the yeah, NBA. Yeah, for sure. And they want to be on national television playing with the best team in the country so they get noticed. Well, he, here's the interesting thing about Humphreys is we think like the golfers, oh, such a big get. Like, I, I was looking at, it. yeah, yeah, but I, I was looking at um, his, like, where he was ranked in the ESPN, like, 100. He's still only number 26, so it's not like he's a top one or two guy like Holgren or – And he signed with Duke first. Yeah, he did, yep. And then, like, backed out at the last minute and was like, eh, I'll go put up 25 and 10 at, for the Gophers. 
Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm looking at the 2003 top 100. Um, I I think number five is kind of funny. So you got LeBron James, Luel Dave, Villanueva, Travis <laughs> Outlaw, and then Duty Eby. Yep. <laughs> I love that draft. I was one of the few people who loved that draft pick because, oh, really? I mean, it's easy to be 2020 vision on it, but he was coming out from high school, the same as LeBron. He was a top five guy, and we got him like second to last pick in the first round. Like, you're getting a guy at, the, like, if you're telling me at 28, you're expecting to draft an all-star, you're an idiot. Like those guys usually don't make make the roster. If they do, you're kind of mad that you're guaranteeing them money. So yeah, take a long shot on a guy who could possibly be a superstar. Like mm -hmm. he was a number five ranked guy in the whole class. Like, sure, take a shot, you know, but it didn't work. But yeah, I mean, of course, it, you know, if you go back and every guy who doesn't work, you say that, you know, it, it was a bad draft. Like that's easy to do four years later. I can see it now. the 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 YouTube title card defending the Indubi. <laughs> hey, it I'll might give you a video. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you half an hour on defending uh, David Kahn if you want some podcasts. So I mean that that that'll definitely get some some uh, some hate. Hey hey, uh, any any publicity is good publicity in my That's book. Right. So, That's right. Uh, Jared, you had something? I think it's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. Maybe not everyone's, but it's definitely mine. Gabe's question of the week. All right, all right, we'll we'll go to it. Uh, pretty simple one this week, um, uh, because there's been a lot of debate over it. If you had to name it right now, who is your MVP of the league? Like who who would you give the nod to MVP? Because a lot of people saying uh, it's Curry because he's had an amazing stretch. Some people saying duty. Some people, uh, sorry, uh, with Jokic. 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 Wow. That, that was on the brain. That, that was on the brain. Uh, we, some people are saying, uh, like I said, Embiid. But in your opinion, who would you give MVP to? And we'll start with you, Chris. I mean, I guess I would say it's such a weird award. I guess I, I mean, I always say it's LeBron because he's the best player. I mean, he's the best basketball player. So I think he should win it. Um, but if the way the award's given out because LeBron's resting for the playoffs because he's made a finals like 10 of the last 11 years, um, I would say I would give it to uh, – man, what's what's Denver's record right now? Where are they sitting? I'll take a look. Are they top um, four yet? They are – let's see. That's the East. Um, they are, Yeah, they're four. They're four – 38 and 20 behind the Clippers. How far are they behind the Clippers? They're about two and a half games. I'd give it to him. I'd give it to Jokic. Um, no, I mean, yeah, especially if they keep him there with Murray out. I mean, there's, I mean, that'd be good to see. Um, mm -hmm. But it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, I mean, I, I could see Curry. I mean, he's a monster. He's, he's putting up historic numbers again. I mean, I, it's one of those things where you're not wrong with any three of them. You know, Embiid's a monster. He's been healthy the whole year. That's always been the that's always been the knock is can he stay healthy? Um, I just don't want I just don't want the freak to win it because I hate watching him play basketball. <laughs> maybe his brother wins it. Who knows? <laughs> I'll give it to him. <laughs> or maybe maybe they just write onto the tempo and like give it to the wrong guy. <laughs> give it to all three of them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Jared, who do you got as MVP? We you know guys, who Jared's got. You know who my answer was. You go got, on to the next you know, part of the, the, the second game started the question, you knew who my answer was. And as Lee Corso once said, not so fast, my friends. It's Nikola Jokic by a mile. Um, he's going to win, and it's not even going to be close. The second – the second, I'll just I'll just go from, from down there. The second best uh, – MVP candidate is still Joel Embiid, even though he missed it. time. Jokic is averaging 27, 9, and 11. Um, dude's just an absolute stud. If you take him off that team, they're probably not even making the playoffs. That's how good Jokic is. Um, and Denver is a super solid team. Even like one thing I, I thought interesting was about Denver is since the Aaron Gordon trade, uh, he's only playing like 25 to 29 minutes. Um, 
one thing I looked at recently, um, just kind of interesting looking at, um, hasn't done a ton with them, but they've been winning a ton. So um, he's a winning player. Doesn't hurt your team. Uh, Denver, yeah, you, you know, you get the four seed in the West at one point. So I've been talking about Jokic since week two of the NBA season, and everyone's like, oh, he'll never win. Denver don't win enough. You know, they're, they're barely in the playoffs. Well, look at them now. Jokic is the best player in the league, and if he doesn't win this year, it's a travesty. Um, unless you give it to Embiid, um, who also missed a ton of time, which is going to hurt into his his voting. Um, same thing with LeBron. Um, love LeBron, who's had a f- phenomenal year, continues to just be amazing. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Jokic win the MVP and then – LeBron win like a finals MVP. Like he's just that good. He just hasn't been on the floor enough to, to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curry. Um, I, I'm a, actually kind of a Curry hater because he screws me a lot in fantasy, <laughs> but, uh, you but draft him, man. Curry, Curry is unbelievably good. Um, he's a very, very good player, but again, you know, they're the what seven or eight or anything. They're, they're on the borderline of the playoffs. I think uh, last time I looked, and, and, and like early on when I had this, I actually had this conversation in a group chat and I actually bet somebody that uh, Nikola Jokic would have more first MVP votes than, uh, than Embiid when Embiid was actually the front runner. Like Jokic is just that good. Um, he, and, and, you know, it's funny, like talking about Jokic and, and we've had this conversation a few times. The, one of the best things I love about like Chris was telling me like, yeah, you know, you know, Finch was kind of the guy that discovered him and like ran the offense through him, and and like as a Timberwolves podcast, it's so fun to talk about that with Cat because that's exactly what Cat is going to mature himself into, and it's going to take a year or two, but like he's already like that good to where when we start winning games, he's going to get noticed in the national media. I'm not going to say he's going to win MVP. Um, by any means, because there's a lot of talented players in this league, top to bottom. Um, but yeah, if I'm voting today, it's it's Jokic three times before anybody else. Okay, in uh, that uh, so I was just looking at the NBA.com MVP ladder. They do have Jokic one, Embiid two, Giannis three, and then Luca. I don't think you can give it to Luca, but I will say you were mentioning like you take you take the guy off their team, they don't make the playoffs. Like you take Steph Curry off the Warriors. Like and you got Wiggins and I don't know Wiseman and Ubre. We did that last year. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Steph should win it, but I am saying that man. He belongs in the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if Steph won it, it's not like the greatest travesty. But um, oh, it is. I mean, of course. <laughs> it is. But I mean, yeah. I mean, he's there's just so much talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I am. I'm gonna make it. You know, I, I want to say Embiid because, but I just think the talent around him is better. So I mean, yes, the 76ers are a one seed, but it's hard not to give it to Jokic, kind of like you were saying. I mean, he's just he can do it all. He can score. He can distribute. He can rebound. He's basically the fine tool. Would you say the talent's better? I mean, let's say when everyone's healthy. Do you think the talents when everybody's healthy is better on the 76ers or Denver? Uh, with the Jokic or take Jokic away? No, no, just with the, with the, with the whole roster. I okay. mean, because the Sixers have Ben Simmons, Embiid, and a bunch of role players. And then, I Let's mean, not Simmons is pretty good, or not Simmons, uh, Tobias. Tobias is pretty solid. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tobias is having a huge year. That's true. But I mean, Denver, I think, is the deepest team in the NBA, and I don't think it's close. I 100% agree. Um, I also hate the 76ers and Joel Embiid and pretty much everybody on that team besides Ben Simmons, but I agree. Uh, Denver is a super deep team. Like, if you look at their team, like Michael Porter Jr. still is one of the most underrated players in the entire NBA. Um, Not to give – this is not the Denver's podcast, but that's the team that I follow that – is really talented, you know, um, and they added a perfect piece, even if it's a rental and Aaron Gordon, um, or it might be a year or two rental. We talked about this earlier, but 
Denver's going to be in the hunt this year, next year, and probably the following year for a championship. They're they're a really good team. Uh, the only thing that's going to hold them back this year is Jamal Murray is not hurt, oh. and and that kind of killed them. So mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely disappointing to see Jamal Murray because I was, I mean, I just want everyone to be healthy. Like the West is so loaded, the playoffs are going to be so fun. And they always are, particularly in the West. Like, you used to have the Eastern playoffs that was like, oh, okay, John Wall's going against, <laughs> like, whoever. But but the West, I mean, there's just bona fide stars on basically every single team. But, I mean, like, like look at it. Like, the Warriors might not even make the playoffs proper, and they have Steph Curry. Like, we might have a playoffs without Steph Curry. Like, I knew we had one last year, but, you know. And, like, like, looking at the West, like – like I feel like all three of us would pick three different teams to come out. I know Chris's answer is going to be the Lakers till the end of time, and and, and I only because they're only because they're the best team though. Yeah, I mean it, when you get when you get LeBron, AD, Drummond is a low key great ad for them, and I think it's yes. kind of underlooked. Uh, and we've talked about that a little bit beforehand, but like I think you could make a legitimate case. For Phoenix, I think you can make a case for for Utah. I think you can make a case for Denver. I mean, like the 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 top four on the West are unbelievable. And I hate to say it because I kind of agree with you, Chris. But like when the Lakers are healthy, I think that now that that Murray is out, uh, I, I just don't think Denver has enough firepower to get through because mm-hmm. their bench is kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the it's the thing where. I mean, they traded. They traded. It sucks because they traded um, Harris away to get to get um, Gordon, and then they lose their point guard. Like if they had Harris still, it would be a little better because they'd have a little bit more depth at guard that could you know carry the lead guard a little bit. But I mean, that little Comprazo guy, whatever that little Italian Italian little spicy nugget, uh, that guy. I mean, he's only he only can be so much. Um, and, and not to make this completely about Denver, but I read today that Monte Morris is out for one to two weeks with a hamstring injury as well. So, like, that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's look at the schedule ahead. When you're listening to this, which is probably on a Saturday, the Wolves start a two-game series with the best team record-wise in the NBA, the Utah Jazz. Uh, first on the road against the Jazz, then at home against the Jazz, and then uh, that's that's um, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. We play the Rockets, which I honestly think sit D'Lo, sit Towns, sit Edwards, <laughs> sit everyone, just so we can lose that game. That game in itself is for draft picks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we have the Warriors. So obviously the the draw there is Steph Curry, and we get to see Andrew Wiggins again, an old friend, seeing. Um, yeah. So, uh, so what are you guys looking from the wolves this week and week, and then we'll wrap it up. We'll start with you, Chris. So I'm going to do a little bit of a monologue here. This is what's been bothering me and what I'm looking forward to. Um, so one thing that I do that I still say everybody needs to do is follow the Timberwolves on Facebook or on, on YouTube. And anytime they have pre or post game interviews, watch them. They're like, three minutes long for each guy and they're great especially anthony edwards he's an amazing interview but ever since the boston game um he's been different so i I meant to talk about this last time so right after the boston game was when i think anthony edwards was out there for the whole four or for like you know the whole closing time and i think got one shot or maybe like hardly touched the ball and D'Lo went nuts, and, and I think we we lost that game, I believe, right at the end. And um, Edwards wasn't happy. It was the first time in a, in a post-game interview where he was just like one-word answers, like almost Marshawn Lynch, I'm here so I don't get fined. And it was very interesting. And then I listened to Cat and D'Lo's interview that game, and they were both just singing each other's praises and talking about, you know, well, we're the leaders of this team, and – you know, this is how we lead and this and that and just loving each other up. And it and it seemed very um, – it was really weird to see those two guys in so much love 
and so much like happiness and, and Edward's so down. Um, and Rebecca Brunson, who's a former Lynx player, she's uh, she's starting to do some, some sideline stuff. And she said, uh, uh, what did she say? Something like, um, oh, how do you feel about only getting two shots in the fourth quarter in, in overtime? Um, was that because the D was taking taking you away or was a plan to focus more with Kat and D'Lo? And Edwards just sat there for a while and said, um, um, uh, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Like it was so awkward. And then the next couple games after that, he was the same way. Like he had a really bad vibe. And I'm worried that this meshing, it's going to be really interesting to see how D'Lo and him mesh. That's what I'm worried about. Um, and I know D'Lo has been trying to sing his praises with like rookie of the year, holding up the sign thing, but some of that seems forced and kind of fake. Um, that's what I'm going to be looking forward to these games is I want to see D'Lo get Edwards the ball. And I, I mean, I'm afraid D'Lo's trying to get a little of his shine right now, which he deserves and good for him. But I think Edwards being 19, I think he needs, he needs something. He needs a little bit more, more confidence coming his way. So I want to see Edwards get a little of his swagger back. I want to see it being forced to him from D'Lo. I want to see that trio work um, and, and Edwards not being the deep third. I want to see him being like 1C of that group. So that's what I'm looking forward to is, is trying to see Edwards get his swagger back. There you go. Well said. Well said. Uh, Jared, what are you looking for uh, this week? Well, I've said this on previous podcast. Well, not this exact words, but there's three teams in the entire NBA that play the Timberwolves unbelievably tough. And I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but I have in the previous years. Number one, the Indiana Pacers. That is a team that we can absolutely not beat no matter how many times we play them. The Pacers own us. Number two is the Clippers. No matter, no matter who's in or who's out, the Clippers always seem to just destroy us. And number three that we cannot beat is the Utah Jazz. So, uh, and the Jazz are a great team. So, um, but the Utah Jazz always own us. Um, so I expect two losses there. Um, the Rockets game is the most interesting to me, just because I think it's going to have a whole lot of meaning when it comes comes lottery ball time. Uh, you're looking at added percentages for one team, and 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 obviously descending averages and percentages for another team. So that game, I mean, if we can find a way to lose it, I'd be happy. But the Rockets are really bad, so we probably beat them. Um, and then the Warriors, um, I mean, I think that can go either way, really. Um, not to say that – like, the Warriors are just so banged up. Like, they just got Oubre back, and they're playing him off the bench um, because he's not 100%, but he's playing a ton of minutes, which doesn't make a ton of sense. But – uh, the Warriors are super banged up. Um, I mean, do I think we can beat the Warriors? I mean, we might have a, a screw you Wiggins game in our belts to win that one, but um, I'm just going to say that Warriors game will either be a blowout or we'll probably win it. Okay. Uh, Chris, you had some? I was just going to say right now, Houston Rockets have 15 wins. The Timberwolves have 16 and the Pistons and Magic both have 18 wins. So we're two wins away from fourth. Um, and just just for a little a winning streak, losing streak, um, Houston in the last eight is two and eight. Timberwolves are four and six. Pistons are three and seven. And then the Magic and the Thunder are trying to catch us. They're one and nine and 0 oh and 10. So those two teams are literally losing everything. So this whole it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very interesting end of the year come lottery ball time. Um it wouldn't blow my mind if we end up fifth or sixth, just because some of those teams are just completely mailing it in. Um, but it seems like the bottom three teams are are trying to win. They're just not good. So I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And Jared, you had some? 
Yeah, so I actually heard a really interesting stat um, from Alan Horton uh, on WCCO listening to the game the other day. Um, the Timberwolves started out the season 2-0. That sounds like 100 years ago, doesn't it? But <laughs> um, started out 2-0. Ever since then, after a win, the Timberwolves are 0-16. So yeah. they have not won back-to-back games since the first two games of the year. Just something to keep an eye on. If we win one, I mean, there's a pretty strong sample size that we're going to lose the next one. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Well, I think we're going to leave it at that. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being with us as always. No problem, man. And Jared, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Always always a fun Friday night with you guys. Absolutely. And this has been another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves.